everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Dance Floor podcast where we look at everything outside of the moves and the competitions and try to dive a little bit deeper. It's about history, mentality and connecting the dots between the dance and the other aspects of our lives. Today on the podcast we have Rudy Rex from Havakoro and Funky Fanatics, formerly known as Footwork Fanatics. Rudy's been one of the people I've really wanted to have on because I always respected his style, approach and mentality towards breaking, dance and just music in general super down-to-earth guy and I'm really glad we got the chance to talk. On the podcast he shares a lot about his history and how he got started, his personal influences, Austin and Texas breaking history, the Bleeding the Block series which I recommend everyone check out, Latin music and percussions and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and opening his own business. Thanks again to Rudy for taking the time to share all his history and knowledge and I hope you all enjoy the talk. Peace. Welcome everybody to the podcast. Uh, it's been a little while, but we're back and we've got a great guest today. We've got Rudy Rex from Havakoro and Funky Fanatics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Funky the, the name change was, uh, was Flo's, was Flo Master's idea. Yeah. Yeah. It used and, to be uh, I think it just kind of, right? it, it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not exactly sure what spawned the name change, but I think it was probably just like a kind of a rebrand kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, Really, as as most people know in the community, is like the our our that group or that project doesn't you know actively compete a whole bunch, um, but we're all homies, man. We all stay in touch, and we're all good, yeah, yeah. you know, like good, good friends. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it was an honor to be uh, asked to join that that group because uh, it was it was something that a project that I looked up to ever since Flo and, and uh, Wicked uh, battled together when they battled uh, Kamel and, and the other Wicked in Chicago. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been looking up to them for, for quite a while. So it was a, an honor for sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, for maybe for people who don't know who you are, do you mind just getting into a little bit about your, your background, your history, and maybe like how you got into dancing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of a long story. Um, I try to I try to simplify it as as much as possible. But um, I basically started. I'm a you know a child of the '80s, so I basically started breaking in you know when it was really popular in in, the, in I'll, I'll be specific and say 1983, 1984 at, at least where I, where I was from, um, which is uh, in South Texas. That's you know got, got it was popular through through breaking and Beat Street, like kind of how you know, most kids kind of got involved in, in hip-hop dance at that time breaking popping something with popping and, and uh locking all that stuff so um and then you know it it lasted a couple years and then it kind of died out and you know we didn't really do much of it i mean of course like all the other you know dances kind of start, started coming into play but like you know i i hopped in i hopped on to those trends just like everyone else you know all the social dances and stuff but it wasn't like breaking breaking was like a community thing it was like I don't know. I, 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 speaking of like, you know, at that time I was only eight years old, right? I was eight years old when I first started breaking wow. out. So, like all the other all the other social dances were just kind of like middle school dances for fun, and and it wasn't like a, a crew thing. Like we we got I got a crew, you got a crew. We're like battling each other. It wasn't like that at all. 
So that's where we kind of, that's where I feel like I kind of lost touch with hip hop for a moment, you know, even got into like skating for a while, just like any other kid, man, you know, just like I had my, like, my sports and my hobbies, played soccer and, you know, I just, I enjoyed being a kid, man. And then, so when I moved to Austin, like in, uh, in the early nineties, I started seeing hip hop dance, not so much breaking, but I started seeing freestyle dance in clubs. And this is like in 1992, 1993. And, uh, and then I met Romeo, which is the guy who throws B-Boy City. And, um, he was, I mean, I'll, you know, yeah, easily say that, uh, him and his crews were they were called CBS, and uh, they were like responsible for keeping b-boying alive, you know, through freestyle dance because they were still incorporating breaking moods into their new school. You know, we what we used to call new school because it was like they're they're mixing popping and breaking, but it's not popping and breaking. They're doing other shit, you know, that looks funky, and they're doing all the social dances and mixing it all together. And and really, some of those and really, like I say, so, social dances like. You know, but you know, uh, I, I throw around, I throw around that word lightly because in Texas, like a lot of people were just taking influences from every everywhere, and so there wasn't like a specific. It wasn't like okay, I'm gonna learn, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the snake and I'm gonna do the wop and I'm gonna go out there and do all these like funky social dances. It was like it was literally called freestyle because people were just feeling good, man. They were just yeah. doing, just going off the top, you know, and and uh, and with that said since none of these guys really were actively practicing in dance studios i mean some of them were but since most of them weren't you know you had like this raw energy and this these raw very original styles you know that you know unfortunately we don't really see much of anymore because of the you know i just don't like most of the footage from that era got either got lost or you know i have a i have a few gems from like you know the late 90s some of my friends bugging now but you know um so all I really have is just like a, you know, I, this is my memory, man, of like looking back at those times and going, man, some of these guys are funky, and you know, I, and I'll try to like mimic some other styles, but it, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Romeo, so I met Romeo around that around that uh, that time frame, '94, and um, started hanging out with him and his crew, and I eventually got down with CBS. CBS was kind of like the biggest crew in Austin at the time, and uh, every little breaking crew that you know, that came after that crew and all stemmed from CBS, you know, so it was like, that was like the main crew. That was like, um, I guess I, it probably the equivalent would be Mop Top, you know, in, in New York, you know, or or even Rocksteady crew where all these little crews were just kind of branching off, you know, from this one big, this big uh, movement really, because CBS, we had, we had you know, bombers, we had uh, MCs, we had everybody, you know, everybody, all the elements, you know, represented, so, um, you know, uh, and then, you know, later on, I, I, I like to have a choral thing or the choral thing didn't come until like about three or four years later. You know, I got I, I, we started traveling to Houston to battle me and Romeo were, and, and we would just take like a small crew from Austin and we would just go try to smoke those guys in Houston. Right. Like that was our mentality. Like, man, we're going to go. We're going to fucking show them out. And then, of course, like Houston you know just like nowadays man just houston fucking dancers are incredible man you know and and we were just like blown away but at the same time we were very competitive so we were like fuck them we're gonna go back and we're gonna smoke over you know so it was like and then eventually we started of course it was all love right after all of the battling and everything like we would hang out and uh and, it, and we loved those guys man and, and then eventually dude i just i just ended up getting down they got they i got asked to get down with coro 
And uh, this was before Havoc and Coral had joined teams. Uh, and so it was really just a group of freestyle dancers, man, that had a couple of B-boys. And I think that's why I got asked in because I was a B-boy. I was like a straight B-boy. And I, I hip hop and house danced a little bit, but it wasn't like B-boying was my main thing, you know? Right. So that, that's why they were like, yo, let's get this cat from Austin down so that way we could spread a chapter in Austin. And that's when like Rocksteady had all these chapters everywhere. So, you know, we, we I, I literally say, chapter because that was the term that they used at that time in the 90s you know they had the japanese chapter they had the italian chapter you know all these like you know sub crews and stuff so um but yeah man that's pretty much how i got started in the in the austin scene just through clubbing man just club dancing that's nice. all it was yeah yeah uh yeah who are who are some of the people in i guess like coral that when you first got down mm -hmm. that uh really stood yeah. out to you yeah um man to be honest all of them did because like before before i got down um I w we were battling them you know so you know the guys that we went up against were there was a cat named shadow shadow black was like the he was the guy from houston that went to new york and learned how to house dance like through in the clubs over there so he was the one who were he, he was like learning from all them cats and then he brought down all of those flavors and styles to uh to houston and this was like in the early 90s and mid 90s and then uh so that was shadow shadow was uh i mean i still look up to that cat he's so fucking dope i could i could watch videos of him and i'm like wow like he's just he's super amazing man um mario i'm i'm not, I'm not sure if you met mario but mario from have coro he was in he's one of the original members of coro um you know he, he has like a little bit of a loose popping style and um you know yeah. just back then it was like these were all styles that were were just new to us man because we had in Austin we had a different style you know they had like in Houston there was a lot of dancers that had like like a loose puppet popping mm -hmm. style right so they some of them cats look like literally they're like melting on the floor and shit yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they would like come come up and do like a couple at a free yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah man uh, so Sergio Mario Blas uh there's so many and then you had like Winos which was kind of like the sub uh a sub crew of Coro or like they were like really tight friends yeah, that's where cold cuts and raglan and a bunch of other amazing dancers uh toby um a bunch of other amazing dancers from that side from which was all them cats were from north side a different different part of town and they eventually got into coro so you know uh there was just so many man there were so many good dancers in houston at that time yeah, yeah. that i look up to but those were the those were the main ones you know other crews in houston like action figures and uh and g tribe there was another crew that, I, that we used to hang out with yeah, we just party with them, man. But they were talented dancers as well. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, were you like the only the only member from Austin, or were there other people in Austin? Uh, there was like we had three other <clears throat> members, but um, they didn't last very long, dude. I mean, you know, they just kind of like yeah. One of the, actually one of them got into Grimies, uh, which is another crew out of Austin that came out in the late nineties, and um, and that was it, man. I think the rest of them just quit quit breaking. You know, it didn't take, I mean, they were like maybe, maybe active for like another year or two. Right. And Happens. Then, then it kind of, it does, man. It does. Yeah, yeah for sure. Especially in the, when I think back from those, those days, man, the nineties were like so many talented dashers that could have been really big, um, big, in, in, like, um, I should just say just influencers, I guess, man, is the proper term to use nowadays, man. You know, it's like, I mean, a, there there are so many good dancers from that era that they could have been really huge you know uh at this day and age but unfortunately they just had other plans you know yeah, yeah. life family yeah. work well, 
yeah those are those are understandable everything yeah for sure everyone deals with that stuff at at some point in their life totally man yes yeah and, no doubt. um can you yeah talk you mentioned a little bit can you talk a little bit about the the two crews joining together havoc and coral to make havoc coral yeah um i was it's a pretty it, it, it was really a pretty it's a simple story um because havoc and coral were already friends from the neighborhood you know so they were already practicing together moy had a group of people you know that were breaking with him and they were like you know they were causing a lot of um, they were making a lot of noise because you know moy was mega talented for for that time and then the, the, and his little disciples that he had they were fucking sick too so it was like man you know it was just a natural progression you know i think you know a couple of years after i first met moy when i first met moy we actually battled we actually battled at a club and i was like man who's this little kid that's got fucking flare flare natty flare you know and he's like going off he's got good footwork too so i couldn't talk shit you know but I, was like, <laughs> I was like damn this kid's fucking good but we we went a few rounds and and um and actually that day that i battled him i actually got him at Coro that day um but later on, a couple years later, you know, I just started seeing him a lot at, at battles. And, then I, and, and every now and then I would see him battling on our side. And I'm like, who's this cat boy? I'm like, okay. Like, he's, uh, he's, got, a, he's got a little crew of, of, of B-boys that are good. And, and uh, Coro was like, we were considering getting them into Coro. We wanted them to represent Coro. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to let go of their name, Havoc. So we're like, all right, fuck it. Well, let's just do, let's just do like a little hybrid. Mm-hmm. You know, hi, what, what people know, know, um, people call them, call them super crews now, you know, but that's essentially what Havacoro is. Havacoro is a super crew, you know, except with the reason why it worked out for the bet, for the, you know, for the advancement of our crew was the fact that we didn't have a lot of B-boys. It was just me and little John. Me and little right. John were the only ones in Coro that had, that were really straight B-boys. Everybody mm-hmm. else was just uh, hip hop in the house, hmm. you know? Oh, and Joel too. We had Joel, uh, but he was just busy with school and stuff. So we, you know, he wasn't really battling a lot with us. Right. <clears throat> So uh, I think the first time we did a, a jam together was in Alpha Fame in Chicago. And the year was 2000. We, we did a battle in Houston. And then Joel wasn't able to make the final or the, the, the semifinals in Chicago. So we asked Moy. And then uh, that's after that, that was like the first half of Coral shirt was made. And was uh, before that trip to Chicago. Yeah. So yeah. after after that, man, it was it was set in stone, man. HK. <laughs> yeah. Well, it worked out. Like the name sounds really good. I always thought that was such a cool name, even if I didn't know yeah. what it meant at all. But yeah. Do you know what's so funny is that all my jujitsu friends say the same shit. They're like, man, <laughs> I don't know what that have a coral shit is, but if that it fucking sounds cool, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was gonna say yeah. It's kind of funny how that works out, man. How the, the certain names kind of, you know. Uh, just have a nice ring to, to certain people you know yeah yeah i think that's how it goes sometimes with names like they don't always have yeah. this deep meaning yeah it just sounds yes. cool um well dude you know speaking of deep meaning I, I will say that uh that blast uh uh one of the founding members of coro came up with coro uh the the, the word the term coro actually means um I think he found it in an old either Chinese dictionary or an old Japanese dictionary. It's, it actually means um, a phobia of your penis crawling back up into your body. That's an actual, <laughs> yeah. 
So, so what they did was they took that word, they took cor- he took coral and made an acronym out of it, Knights of Rhythm Odyssey. <laughs> but, but it's an actual word that has a meaning, and the meaning is, yeah, it's like a phobia of your penis crawling into your body <laughs> or crawling back up into your body. So, wow, yeah. uh, it's bizarre, man, super bizarre. A lot of people forget that. Man. You know, a lot of people in our crew probably forgot that. But a lot of people in our crew probably don't even know that. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little little bit of lore for everyone right there <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah um so maybe branching out from just like your crew specifically you talked a little bit about it but can you talk about like the greater texas scene during like when you were coming up and and as yeah as the crew was getting formulated it all de- i guess it just all depends on or well, if we're talking about that era uh it was interesting because there was just a lot of originality and, and, and everybody was really competitive with each other because, you know, we all wanted that. We all wanted that, um, those bragging rights, you know, for uh, off of every jam, you know. So um, you had a, a lot of good B-Boys at the time. You had, you know, fucking people from Jive Turkeys that were good, United B-Boys that were good. Um, of course, everybody knows Nightcrawler, you know, and and, uh, and Blitz from, from Alien Squad and Grimey. You had, you know, B-Boy Jin from... He, this was before he was in Jive Turkeys, but oh, you know, he was sick. He was doing just a bunch of crazy shit, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and he had a cult following, man. Like, and his cult followers, they were fucking cheerleaders, man. So Jim went out there and fucking... No, I mean that in, with respect, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't mean it, like, in a bad way. Like, I mean, like, he goes to a jam and he does a fucking wrist on his freeze. There's going to be 40 people in that crowd fucking screaming <laughs> for dear life, you know? And that was really neat. I thought it was cool. I was, like, kind of jealous of it. Like, damn, this motherfucker has got, like, some really cool... <laughs> the really cool moves he's, he's original and he's got the fucking fan club you know that's that's even better you know yeah. i say that with respect for sure there's so many crews man i mean um I, i'm trying to think of some other some other ones um um I mean, a lot of them kind of like just kind of came in and out man you know those are the, the ones that you know stick in you know obviously masters of mayhem you know those are like those guys are still killing it till this day but they didn't come till a little bit later, you know. They didn't come till like the early two thousands. Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm mostly talking about the late nineties, man. But yeah, there's a lot of good people, man. A lot of good b boys, and and I think what I appreciated uh, the most uh, was the creativity. You know what I'm saying? Was just yeah. the desire to not look like anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of I think a lot of people can. You know, a lot of people from Chicago could say that. A lot of people from New York could say that. From Cali, yeah. everybody. We were just on a mission to all look. Nobody wanted to be the first person to bite, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like when the competitive scene started getting a little deeper and more, you know, a little bigger, then people started kind of trying to outdo each other. And um, and I think that's where the that's where the whole biting thing started becoming an issue because like people just wanted a piece of everybody, man. You know all the good, all the good, you know, like if you had, if you were creating good shit, somebody wanted to come around and swipe it and just kind of throw it in their mix and hoping nobody would notice and people would notice and get called out. And so there was a little bit of that going on, but you know, at the same time, it's just a natural progression. You know, people have to borrow from each other to fucking get better. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I was biting too, man. Everybody's biting. I was biting. I was just biting on the pool though. You know, I was like, okay, I see that. I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to use it here and there and kind of just like, yeah, you know, come up you know make my own concoction man make my own little formula of stuff that that works for me and my body type you know yeah for sure i mean that's a whole that's a whole other like yeah discussion 
biting. Oh, for sure. And, you know, the whole different era that we're in now compared to, yeah, yeah the 90s or even, even it, it is a the huge, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's a huge, uh, it's definitely a huge conversation that you can have, man. But um, it's it's all relevant because that's kind of like how the Texas scene was, man. And, and mm -hmm. I could probably easily say everywhere I went to around uh, in that time was was similar. It was like, man, I, I just, everybody wants to look fucking original, man. You yeah. don't want to just, you don't want to bite, man. Well, that was like one of the things that really stood out when I was starting out. I started out like in the early, early 2000s. And mm -hmm. yeah, when I was kind of getting, getting an idea of what, what was going on in like the rest of the world. And especially mm -hmm. in the US, that was like the biggest kind of influence for a lot of us. You yeah. had like kind of three, three sort of scenes that I, that I saw a lot. It was like the California scene and then maybe sort of like an East coast scene, maybe more so in like New York. And then the Texas yeah. scene was another like big powerhouse. Yeah. You'd always see that. And the yeah, thing the that really stood out with Texas was like you said, like everyone looked super different, had this crazy energy yeah. to them. Yeah. Yeah. And the power moves were fucking on another level. Yeah. Man. I was just like, holy, like, and that made it really hard for That made it hard for me because I, I've always, I've, I've had power, I had ground power, you know, at one point, and then I was like, fuck it, I just, I got so inspired by rock city and style elements that I was like, you know, I think it's okay if I don't do any power. I think I just fucking bug out, just bug out on some style, you know, just create my own shit and mm -hmm. make it powerful. And, and, and so, you know, it was, uh, quality was like a really, quality from style elements was uh, a really, he, he's responsible for putting Texas on the map because he's the one who made all those videos like Play With A Burn and, you know, and Romeo, you know, Romeo from B-Boy City was, he threw the first B-Boy City, which was what people saw worldwide. People saw uh, Flavor to Burn 1 on video and Flavor to Burn 2. And that's mm -hmm. what, that was the one that me and Marlon won. And I think the first one, Moy and Maya won the, the first one. And me and Marlon won the second one. So that was like quality made a VHS out of it. And that literally went across the world. So I think that's what, uh, what video people are referring to when they, when they see Texas and you know, yeah. so he was definitely a huge, uh, played a huge factor in, in, mm. in, uh, in how, um, some of our, some of our styles got seen worldwide, you know? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your, your style specifically and how that kind of came about? Like who were your influences or what influenced yeah. them, that kind of thing? Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's, I, I have to do, I have to like, to, for me to come, come out with an honest answer, I have to like really dig deep, mm -hmm. but I'll try to, I'll try to simplify it as much as possible. Like I, 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 I've always tried to like, I always try to like create a bunch of slides with my footwork. So I used to be inspired by, you know, tap dancers. I used to be inspired by uh, specifically Jimmy Slide. He was a really good fucking tap dancer who incorporated some really big sliding movements in his style. And I used to try to just mimic that, but just with like my knees and mm -hmm. shit that I would do on the floor uh, with my footwork. And so that was what I had in mind. Also, obviously, Ken Swift was like a really big influence. All of Rocksteady, to be honest, man, because in the mid 90s, they were, you know, all of those Rocksteady videos were, circuit, were you know, in the circuit, man. And so I was like, um Zulu Gremlin was another guy I used to look up to. Um Easy Rock obviously and um I I, I wanted to uh, you know I wasn't really stuck on just being a footwork kid. 
So I actively tried freezes and just to try to create my own shit, you know. Uh, but, you know, I don't really, it's hard for me to talk about myself and see like, oh, yeah, well, I'm this and I'm that. And, like, I, I have mm -hmm. this style. And this is what I, you know, I, I prefer to let other people, you know, talk, you know, talk about, you know, answer that for, for other people. Because I just, it's, uh, it's just a weird thing for me to do. But as far as I know and what I've tried to do, I could say, yeah, I try to incorporate foundation footwork uniqueness and you know I, I i try to finish my rounds i try to story tell you know tell a story have a beginning to an end it's like you know romeo told me back in the day in the early 90s he was like you know it's like writing a, a paper man you gotta have an opening body and a closing yeah and uh you know that was probably one of the most important things that i've ever heard in in dance you know it's just those that one sentence you know what i mean <clears throat> yeah i i think uh as an outsider, someone who, who saw you when I was starting out, you, you really stood out like in the sense that you had a very, like, you had a good sense of foundation, but it was very like abstract in a different way. Like it was very not foundational, but it was very foundational yeah. at the same time. <laughs> if that yeah, makes any I sense. I got you. No, no, yeah. it does, man. I've heard that. I, I, to be honest, and it, with, with respect, man, I, I've heard that before and and I think part of it just has to do with just me wanting to look like, like in my head, I wanted to look like Kenny. I wanted to look like Crazy Legs. I wanted to look like all of those Rocksteady cats, but I didn't know step by step what they were doing because I wasn't taught by them. And we're all, yeah, yeah. you know, we were all self-taught, you know, so we just did the best that we could to try to, you know, look stylistic. <laughs> right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's something that kind of comes up a lot is like a lot of people that started earlier before the eighth age of like the internet where everything was so easy one second yeah yeah go ahead uh, uh so get a get a drink <laughs> yeah um but yeah like for for a lot of people that started kind of pre-internet era where information was like way less available like you had to rely a lot more on like your own experiences and your own kind of just thinking and what was around you. And maybe you get, you find a video or something, or you go to a jam and you see something, but like you said, you, you mm. wanted to dance like Kenny, but you didn't remember exactly how he moved and you didn't have a video yeah. or like that you could just pull up and watch him like frame by frame. Right, man. It was complicated in, in that regard because we truly had to create, from scratch a lot of shit that we have in our vocabulary hmm. you know and then of course later on you know you meet people and you're like man why does that guy do this move man i created that shit and then, <laughs> and then of course you know you you learn later on that great that great minds think alike and you know that we're gonna you know there's, there's gonna be a lot of similarities to what we do man and, and yeah. you know so it's kind of hard to just it's, it's hard to call somebody just a biter you know it's like right we're right. all just trying our best and you know we're all throwing the same sessions that y'all are throwing in in Canada and Japan and Korea, these guys are practicing the same way that we're doing, man. We got right. fucking music. We're on our backs and let's see what we can create. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. we're gonna, of course we're going to have similar moves, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. we all try it. We, tr we tried our hardest just to be as creative as possible. Yeah. We tried. Yeah. And I always think that as long as that's, that's your goal, like stuff mm -hmm. will, it'll, that creativity and that originality will show because everyone's a little bit different. We're all the same in some ways, but, We've all got different experiences yeah. and different upbringings, different influences and stuff. Yes, sir. But it's, yes, but sir. it's really no, interesting yeah. hearing your that tap dancing was a big influence because now that you mentioned that those the slides mm -hmm. and stuff, I really yeah. see it. And 
And I never, mm -hmm. I never would have put that together with like yeah. your style necessarily, but it's always cool to hear <laughs> where these ideas come from. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it's a, it's a Jimmy Sly thing, man. I mean, he was just, you know, he was a master at fucking creating these really big, almost like moonwalk type of sets, but like giant moonwalks, you know, it's mm -hmm. hard for me to explain, man. I just remember him just like tap, tap dancing and he would just like do these big old long walks and then he would do them forward. And like, it was just, he was just a fucking amazing dancer. And of course I saw him on tap. And so it was like the, the scene I'm talking about is when they're all, they're all like battling, they're all like oh, battling yeah, yeah, in the yeah. studio. And, uh, and dude, of course you just see the, the, the all time greats just killing it, man. And yeah. how, how can you not be inspired by that? Yeah. as a b-boy yeah you know what i'm saying because they're fucking getting down on the ground too you know what i'm saying so for anyone who hasn't amazing. seen that you definitely need to check out that scene that's one of that's a great scene just in general to watch and but especially Heck if you're yeah. a dancer like you said yeah 100 man yeah so i talked with zeshin a bit about this but uh, i would be curious to get your perspective on just how like bleeding the block kind of came about that was a video that yeah. really stuck with me when it came out. Yeah. Man, I think um, I remember at the time there was a lot of things that were going on. I was kind of like not mad at the scene, but I was like, I can kind of go on my little, I can go off the deep end sometimes, man, when I start thinking about like the culture and the scene and the direction it's going to. And, um, and at the time, I just remember going online, maybe to B-Boy World, one of those forums, and was like, man, everybody's just posting competition footage. Everybody's just posting battle footage, battle footage, competition footage, battle, you know. And it was like, I just want to see people go the fuck off without, you know, I don't want to see fucking people crying or complaining or screaming, no fucking capping each other. No, I don't see any of that shit. I just want to see people get down. It's freestyle. And then I was like, that's it. That's what we're going to do. And that was when Wicked first moved in, uh, moved into town, and uh, and that was it, man. That's kind of like how it all started, you know. I I called up Wicked, <laughs> and we would uh, get together and throw or throw some sessions and session tag along, man. And this is when session was just like, you know, first starting to kind of like branch out of like, you know, um, I guess like he he used to dance with B Boy City. Uh, there was like they had like a little squad, and um, and uh, he would. This was like kind of like when he first started branching out from that scene. And then started uh, showing up to practice with me, and then uh, and it, just, it was just a natural thing, man. We just fucking decided to roll tape, man. While it started going off, you know, uh, and that was I think that was the whole motivation behind it was just to just to create concrete freestyle, you know, yeah, yeah. just let's just freestyle on the concrete, no linoleum, no linoleum, just fucking wherever we go, and we can make it work, you know. As a matter of fact, I was like fucking linoleum. I was like, I don't want to have that. I don't want to have that. Um, that crutch, you know what I mean? I wanted it to be raw, as raw as possible. And um, and it was hard, man. It was hard sometimes, you know? Even, you know, 10 years ago, I, I look back and I'm like, fuck, that was hard. Because, you know, I was already, like, I was already fucking 34, 35 years old, you know what I mean? So it was like, fuck, man, I'm not a spring chicken. So these little concrete sessions are fucking, you know, they're starting to add up, man. I'm starting to feel it on my knees. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's pretty much how it all started, man. Just fun, dude. Just fun. Just chilling. We made it a thing, man. We'd go fucking throw a session, have a bunch of laughs, then we'd go out to eat and then fucking call it a night, you know, and then we'd do it again whenever we could, you know. It, it was very musical, you know. The whole thing, the whole experience was like, you know, I look back and and I'm like, this was like when we were, I was introducing Zession to a lot of Latin music, 
you know, he didn't get, I mean, he knew a little bit because he, he lived in Puerto Rico. Um, and so I was like, you know, actively gigging, playing congas and, and doing, uh, doing the live music thing here in Austin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I was just kind of like, you know, dropping some little, little nuggets to him here and there, you know, musically like, Hey, check this out, man. Check out this group, check out this Cuban group, you know, cause they're, they're mixing, they're mixing funk with, with, uh, with Latin and you know, we could break through this shit. So, you know, it was like, it was really cool, man. It was just a mm -hmm. great time to, to share knowledge and also that's just, just a cool motherfucker to hang around with, you know what I'm saying? So it was, uh, it was definitely a two way street, you know, I learned a lot from him. He learned a lot from me, right on, right on. you know, is that, like that how it felt anyway. Is that something that you think you guys will come back to at all? Or is that like, it, it was, we want to, yeah. we talk about it. We talk about it all the time and I think we will, but I think it's just the demographics changed a little bit. You know, YouTube is not like YouTube has just been a weird thing lately. So that's where we used to share our, our videos and, uh, now everything's on social media, so we're just not really sure where to drop it and mm. that kind of shit. And, and of course, there's time. I mean, he's a fucking psychiatrist, dude. He's not like yeah. he's not like working at the YMCA, you know. And he's like he's like a fucking you know. I own my own business, so it's like you know, it's all of those factors that are like you know, when can when can we do this? When when do we have the time? Right. You right. know what I'm saying? So yeah. Uh, but yeah, we. I hope to. I hope to fucking do it again, man. That would be awesome, dude. So you and. You and Zeshin, like, from what I know, you, or from what I understand, you kind of played a part in like mentoring him a bit, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Not necessarily only like Zeshin, but just kind of mentoring in general. Yeah, um, I've always I've always found I've always found great joy. I hate to say it that way, but I, I've always found great joy in fucking helping people, man. I don't know what it is, dude. It's something that my dad, you know, taught me, man. And and he does it through he does it through religion. You know, he does it through prayer and religion mm -hmm. and praying for people and things like that, helping mm -hmm. people. And uh, I find great joy in in, in helping uh, teach art. You know, whether it's music, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm a I'm a Latin percussion teacher as well. And when I whenever I can, I I, I do that. Um, I don't know, man. It's just something that makes me feel good. Um, as far as like possession is concerned like i was kind of talking about earlier um it was definitely a two-way street man because like he was come he was he was ex he's extremely smart man if you ever hung out with him for more than a couple of days you're like this little motherfucker is smart i was wanting to call him little buddha but there was already a little buddha or a flying buddha or some shit so i was like i can't call him little buddha <laughs> but he's just so smart man he's yeah. a smart cat and he's fucking wise for his age at the time he was very wise and I was like, dude, this, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, I learned a lot, man. But anyway, as far as dance is concerned, man, like, you know, I wanted to get him to have a coro, and <clears throat> Mario and Marlon and L Little John, they're like, well, you know, how do you, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel like he's, you feel like he's ready to get down? And I'm like, dude, fuck yeah, I think he's ready. It's cast good, man. I practice with him every day. Like, I know what he has. I'm like, all right, well, let's check him out, you know. And then, so I don't even remember technically when the first battle was where he battled with us. But I do remember like them coming down to to Austin and uh, checking him out, you know, and kind of like, like, all right, he's cool, man. He's getting better. He's getting better. And they, you know, they were like, you know, we don't, we're, we're not going to rush it. We're not going to rush it just yet. It's very hard to get to have a coral, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause you have to have everybody, the majority at least to agree. At first it was like, everybody had to agree. And that was a pain in the ass. 
and then I think it's be it's better to it's down to a point where if, if the majority rules, like it's 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 good, you know. Uh, but at the time, everybody had to agree, so it was very like it was very frustrating for me because I was like, yo, this cat's ready. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And uh, <laughs> and then Marlon being, I think the one of the tougher ones, you know. And then finally, dude, it was like, you know, Zeshin just started fucking coming to practice, and he was religiously at my place every Sunday for like I don't know for like a whole summer, and and uh, and man, I was just trying to like not so much teach him because he was already good, mm -hmm. but I was kind of trying to get him to branch out as far as his create his creations. You know what I mean? Like get, giving him concepts to work with. And so what he would do is he would take my concepts and of course fucking take them to the 12th planet and shit and back. And then you're like, dude, this dude just fucking took my concept and created some other shit, some alien shit, you know, yeah, that yeah. some scientific alien shit that made sense mathematically, that made sense with angles, that made sense with the music. So, uh, you know, that's kind of like where I feel like I helped him out the most. It wasn't like, come here, Sasha, let me teach you how to do this step. It wasn't like, yeah, it yeah. was like, I'm just sharing him, sharing little nuggets with him, man, you know? And yeah. I think it was really just the concepts that I was sharing with him, you know? And he came into his own, and then it was like, what? I don't know, man. It was just like out of nowhere. It was like, okay, the crew's like, you know, we're ready to get this dude down. And and um, and Zeshin, you know, props to Zeshin for hanging in there because, man, he went through a, a period of our crew not wanting him in. Oh. He wasn't good enough. You know what I'm saying? To them, mm -hmm. he wasn't good enough. He wasn't ready. He wasn't not that he wasn't good enough. He was, he wasn't developed yet. You know what I mean? I had to work with him a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember I remember Mario <clears throat> having a talk with me, and he was like, "Just keep on." He was like, "Yo, just chill, just chill, just don't don't stop getting angry. You know, just you know, chill. You gotta relax, man. Just work with him. Just keep on working with him every Sunday. You know, it'll happen, man. Just keep just be patient, bro. I'm like, all right, man, all right. And I was like, man, but. You know why are they tripping mario you know i used to tell, tell him like why are they tripping dude the kid the cat is good you know trust me just give him a chance give him a chance and then um you know man sure enough man he started battling with us little by little and then fucking they all just fell in love with with uh not only his style but they just fell in love with his fucking personality man you know mm -hmm. now like you know i remember marlon after like six months after zeshin got in marlon was like yo you remember when i didn't like zeshin right now he's like my favorite nigga, you know what I'm saying? He just straight up said it just like that. And pardon me for using the N-word, but that's just, I'm just quoting Harlem at the time, you know what I mean? And he fucking said it just like that. I was like, yo, I was like, yo, that's what's up because he's fucking good. So it's so funny how that how that happened. Marlon was like, man, I don't even, I, you know, I don't know, man. Zeshin style, this is, is weird, you know, it's weird. I don't get it, you know, and then, <laughs> and then fucking, and Marlon's like, <laughs> now he's like my favorite, you know? I'm like, that's fucking awesome, dude. So that just goes to show, man, that, you know, you can, anybody can overcome whatever adversary and just be patient and fucking, you know, you know, reach their goals and yeah, yeah, all that, all that stuff. So, yeah, but that's like, that's an interesting thing too. Like when we talk about mentorship, like it's like you said that you just kind of, you're not really like a teacher, like here, I'm going to show you this thing and you're going to do this and this and this. It's more like yeah. a guide and, and someone to, to help kind of nudge them in a certain direction but you're not trying to control them you gotta let them be who they are and who they want to become yeah. whatever right how they want to develop totally things. totally and Zeshin was so much younger than me I mean, he was like 10 years younger than me i think so you know if i was if i do my calculations correct i think i was 33 he may have been 23 
when I first met met him. And uh, and so he still had young knees, man. My knees were already fucked up from breaking since I was eight, you know. And, and you know, and then when I started again in 1993, 94, it was like, you know, goddamn, so many years of just breaking, man. And and it caught up to me, man. So I was like already 20 years in the game when I met him. So my knees were already fucked, you know. And I was like, bro, like, let me teach you so that way you could do the shit that I want. You could actually physically do all the shit that I want to do, but I can't, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was kind of like that, you know. That's kind of like how I treated it, you know. But at the same time, I was it was just awesome to be able to see him develop into mm-hmm. a monster because he was just fucking, you know, every every battle he went to, every competition he went to, he would earn another stripe. Bam, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. kids fucking get kids getting yeah. good, and then next thing you know, it's like, you know, damn, and then. You know, and like somewhere in that whole process was when he started dropping his own shit. He started dropping his videos, like his fucking, I forgot what they used to call him, the, the nocturnal, nocturnal something. Right, right. Uh, he, you know, he had his little footwork videos and shit that he had his own cult following as well. So mm-hmm. it was like this cat's fucking, you know, I don't remember exactly what year that those dropped and, and things like that. But, you know, um in the process of me working with him and doing bleeding the block and him just trying to get in the crew. Like he started creating that shit and it was just fucking dope, man. It was just dope to see that he was very motivated. And this is all this going on while he's going to fucking dental school. I'm sorry, not, not medical school. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's crazy. So breaking was his thing. Breaking was, it, it, he wasn't like me who had like, I, I got a, I got a, I'm playing Latin percussion this weekend with this band. You know, and then I'm going to fucking do jujitsu on Saturday. And it, it wasn't like that at all. It was like breaking is his break. Like if he takes a break, he's going to break. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so he got good, man, naturally. Yeah. Everyone's got their own, their own thing that they do to, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Take a break from whatever their main thing is. Or yeah, whatever. totally, yeah. man. Totally. Um, no doubt. Yeah. So you, you mentioned, you mentioned music and you mentioned uh, jujitsu. Can you talk a little bit more about about those like the things that you do outside of breaking? Yeah, uh, maybe uh, start. Yeah, I'll with start with just music. I'll music, start with whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. That, yeah, that sounds great because because music came first in my life anyway. Yeah, you know, my family. My I have an uncle that taught me how to play guitar, and then you know later on that kind of just morphed into you know jamming with my cousins and and fucking you know picking up. Uh, picking up congas later on, you know, I picked them. I picked up congas in, in when around when I was twenty or twenty-one, I believe. And um, and then I just started fucking teaching myself, you know. And then I, of course, took lessons. I took it pretty serious, man. I was I was pretty obsessive about it, man, because I wanted to. I, I really wanted to learn the beautiful art of Afro-Cuban drumming. And Afro-Cuban drumming is, um, of course, now I could talk about this, but back then it wasn't really a thing. But like um it's it's very polyrhythmic which means there's mm-hmm. like four to five rhythms going on at the same time that make this beautiful sound this make this beautiful rhythmic structure that sounds funky and that makes you want to dance you yeah. know and uh, i just wanted to learn it man and so um i would say within within a year and a half or two years of playing or practicing i was gigging professionally i was touring with a really cool band at the time and uh and oh actually some of the people that uh, our our b-boy fans know the the group um, Grupo Fantasma because they covered a a very famous breakbeat called uh, Bacalao Compan from a group called Iraquere, 
And uh, a lot of b-boys know that track. A lot of b-boys know the band Brownout. I used to play with them. I was one of the original right, members right. of Brownout. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's how my journey got started. And then, um, you know, little by little, just started fucking, just started, you know, um, trying to find ways to incorporate both into hip hop or, or like try to fuse those two together. And I, I don't know how that really manifested. Like, a, you know, sometimes I would take gongas to some of our sessions, they would get down and they, you know, B-Boys love congas, man. So you could mm -hmm. fucking take congas anywhere and B-Boys would go off, you know? Um, and then that, that kind of, it, it manifested in ways of like ciphering like that, you know, uh, taking them and playing, playing, playing along with DJs. Uh, there was one time where Brownout played for live uh, during during B Boy City, so that was really fucking dope. You know? nice. So that was like, that was like to me, that was like, that was the pinnacle of what I was trying to do. It was like, fuck, man, this is it right here. Like I'm playing for fucking B Boys. I'm a B Boy myself. I'm I'm playing congas for B Boys. I'm making people dance. I'm yeah. no longer like I'm kind of stepping out of that selfish zone for a little bit, and now it's about other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm creating music for other people, and that was that was dope. That was fun for me. Yeah, and um, and I felt like I got I got a lot done, you know, within with with, with music, you know. But um, the jujitsu stuff didn't come to a little bit later, you know. I think um, I started training jujitsu in two thousand five, um, and I did it because I just kind of felt like I need something to hum I needed something to humble me, you know. After representing hip hop for so long, and you know, being a b boy and being this tough, you know, persona, I was like, I need something to fucking humble me, man. And I <laughs> couldn't have picked. A fucking better martial art, man. I'll tell you, because man, my first class I got choked out by a girl that was like 110 pounds and shit, you know. And and uh, and not that that's like oh this big old thing, but it was yeah. just crazy because I had no idea what I was walking myself into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I got humbled, man. But anyway, man, years and years and years and years later, man, I just uh, you know recently opened up a school of my own, and I'm a black belt. You know, I've been a black belt for um, since 2014. So uh, in October will be my eighth year as black at, at, at um, black belt, oh, wow. and so it's been amazing, man. It's been an amazing journey, dude, and it's been it's definitely helped me stay in shape over the years. You know, um, I saw recently yeah. you were I think it was on Instagram you you were talking about like a breaking kind of inspired kind of movement for your jiu-jitsu classes mm -hmm. or whatever or like mm -hmm. there was some kind of overlap there yeah there is man because some of the movements are the same dude so me and like you know i don't know if you know geo from um from a uh, 10th planet you know he's um he used to be in freak show you know the b-boy mm -hmm. crew freak show okay so he's a fucking he's a world famous black belt you know like world famous high level competitor elite level competition and um, and we always talk about that, man. Like we always talk about like how breaking and, and jujitsu have very similar movements man, in, in certain situations. And, um, you know, so we made it a thing and we made it an official thing, not like an official brand, but like it's break jitsu, man. Break jitsu can be branded because it's a fucking concept, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what we call it, man. It's break jitsu. It's what it is. Yeah. Like I know there's a lot of people that get into it and yeah. I, I, I haven't done it yet, but I, I listened to some like, interviews with with uh what do you call them? practitioners i guess and yeah. uh, there was this one guy i forget who it was but it was just really interesting because what he was talking about really clicked and it made sense with like breaking but he was talking about practicing uh certain mm -hmm. like say situations and like mm -hmm. just drilling those situations over and over and over and like yeah it's, it's like, like to perfect them man it's just like it's just like breaking man 
Yeah, and then it's like when you get into an actual, when you're actually, uh, what do you call it? I guess sparring with someone or whatever, and mm -hmm. you get into those situations and all that practice will just like click in your head and like, okay, I can go this way or he yeah. can go that way. Oh, he did this and you're reacting and this kind of thing. And it me. really reminds me of like breaking that when you get to a certain mm -hmm. level, it's not like, oh, I have this set that I can do and this thing. It's like, no, I'm in this yeah. position right now. What can I do? Oh, I have these options and then it just kind of flows out. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, it, it, in, the, in that regard, it's, it's a lot like um, when I picture yourself, like I want you to try to picture yourself dancing in a club, straight freestyle, no sets, no, 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 no mini runs, no nothing, man. Just like, you're just fucking feeling good and you're going with the flow. Mm. That's, a lot how a role goes in jujitsu. That's why a lot of people fall in love with it because you mm -hmm. hit you hit the you hit the zone, you hit the mm -hmm. zen, you hit zen mm -hmm. much easier, you know, because there's just like nonstop movement and the chess match aspect of, of jujitsu kicks into play. Uh, it's a very beautiful art form. It's very humbling and um and there's not really a way for me to describe it, man. It's just one of those like there's a there's a popular saying in jiu-jitsu that says if you uh if you don't roll you don't know you know and that's the best mm. way for me to like it's hard for it's hard for me to put in words man like i i didn't grow up this huge wrestling fan you know not not in the in the sense where i'm like i have to go and try to find wrestling classes somewhere like you know it was like i didn't actively search for judo or jiu-jitsu or anything like that there wasn't anything in, in, of that nature in my in my hometown anyway but um i think uh you know, it's just it's just so hard for me to put in words, man. I just most people that love jujitsu they fall in love with the after. It's like I feel like I'm on cloud nine after yeah. the rolls, after right. the sparring. It's like right. you go home and you're like, nobody can fuck with me right now. My girlfriend could be yelling in my ear right now. And I would <laughs> not give a fuck because I yeah. just finished rolling, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, that, man. I I would guess that it's it's very similar in a lot of different aspects when you get really deep into something and. And it just consumes yeah. your uh, your your attention completely and fully, and yeah. you're totally engrossed in it. And then, yeah, yeah. when you're done, like you, you're on this high, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And most of the time, like, and 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 at my academy, we, I mean, the music is a is a thing, man. I'm playing breaks. I'm playing hip hop and shit. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's perfect. It's perfect for a lot of people. It's like, oh man, I'm rolling. I'm hearing beats and. You know, I got a few b-boys that train with us, man. So mm -hmm. it's do we just have a lot of fun? Nice, have a lot nice. of fun at our gym. Nice, yeah. that's awesome. And how's the how's the business been going? Yeah, it's been going great. It's been going great, man. I mean, uh, the first two years obviously were were a little tough because I opened up uh, two months before COVID hit, oh. before we were all in lockdown. Um, but it's been going great, man. It's that's growing awesome. a lot, man. So nice. it's been fun. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. uh, yeah, dude. I mean, just keep on. You got to keep on, fucking just keep on being consistent it's the only thing you can do in jiu-jitsu man it's, it's got to be consistent be a consistent instructor you know be solid um be comfortable in your teachings mm -hmm. um and try to stand out man try to be do something a little different than what everybody else is doing because there's mm -hmm. a lot of competition everybody's doing jiu-jitsu now so right how am i going to make myself a little different from everybody else man but we gotta have you gotta have your own thing happening man. you gotta have your own niche and and fucking you know something that's going to attract people to your tribe you know what i'm saying yeah so yeah i try to do that with music i possess my little minions with music <laughs> that's how i do it man anyway right 
Um, well, I think that's a good point to, to finish up. And yes. uh, thank you so much for just taking the time to share your your story and just your thoughts and, and opinions on things. And it was really cool just Dude. hearing everything too, yeah. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the, the conversation, man. And, uh, dude, um, yeah, let's do this again, man. Like I love to, I love to chat about stuff, man. And, and maybe next time we do this, dude, I can, I can hit you up uh, with a few questions and you could talk, talk to me about your, your, your upbringing, man. And, and the culture. Cause I first met you at, um, at, was it outbreak or was it? I think so. Yeah. I think it was it outbreak was like, in 2010. Yeah. Really briefly. I think you were judging yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, I was judging with oh, yeah, yeah. with I was I was judging with Alienness and Wicked at the time, and I think Wicked introduced us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, so, yeah, dude, like twelve years ago, dude, I was just talking to Nadia, you know, big girl Nadia from from Russia, uh, from Russia, man, and I was like, yo, like I think I first met because she was posting a bunch of stuff up from uh, Outbreak, and I was like, yo, I think uh, I think I first met you at that jam too. I was like, that's that was so long ago. It's so crazy, man. Um, but anyway, yeah, dude, let's do this again, man. We've got to yeah. wrap soon. Yeah, for sure. I usually, the, I've done a few of these where we, we have a, have a guest on a second time and, uh, yeah. it usually ends up just being like way more just a, a normal conversation. It's not like, uh, yeah. okay, let's get your history and this kind of stuff. It's like, all right, that's all out of the yeah. way. And now we just talk. We just, we just vibe out. Totally, man. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, it, it, dude, everybody's history is just so, so I mean, I've been dancing for, and not to try to like, I'm not trying to sun anybody, you know, I'm just like, I've just been dancing for a really long time, man. So it's like when people talk to, uh, ask me about like my upbringing and, and the history of like my, how I came up, I'm like, man, like there's just been so much, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's been so much in, in those, in that storyline, man, that I, it's hard for me to, I can't cover everything, bro. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it'd be impossible, but well, we got the condensed version. <laughs> For sure, bro. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, for sure, we'll we'll have to do this again sometime. <clears throat> um, Sounds but good, yeah, bro. We'll cut it there. And uh, thanks everybody for for listening. And if you're on YouTube watching, and uh, you know, let me know what you thought. And uh, if you have any questions. Oh, if people want to like follow you or, or kind of mm -hmm. see what's going on with maybe your jujitsu or whatever. Is there, any, are there any yeah, yeah, yeah. They can, well, I, they can do that? Totally, man. I mean, just, I, I do Instagram most of the time, man. I, I, um, Instagram, I'm at uh, Rudy Rex, R-U-D-Y-R-E-X-X 93. Um, and then my, my jujitsu gym, um, we have an Instagram account as well. And that's Violet Crown Jujitsu. It's Austin's, uh, the city of Austin's nickname, Violet Crown. Oh. So that's the name of uh, that's the name of our our business, man. Violet Crown Jiu Jitsu, and you know, we have a ton of fun. So if you guys are, are you know, if you guys train BJJ, uh, y'all everybody's welcome at my gym at all times, man. I, I have an open door policy. Man. As long as you're cool, man, bring some good energy, man. And we'll have some fun. <laughs> well, if I'm ever in Austin, I'll I'll stop by and maybe take a class or something. First, oh, first dude, that'd time. be awesome. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. I, dude, I, that's what, that's the way I like them. I like the, the newbies, man. I like the newbies, dude. Hell yeah, man. Um, yeah. All right, bro. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Have yeah. a good night. Yeah, we'll catch you later. All right, thanks. All right, bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the talk. If you like what you heard, please feel free to check out some of the older episodes and help spread the word about the podcast. If you really want to go that extra mile, please consider supporting on Patreon at 
www.patreon.com slash razzyf2 r-a-z-z-y-f-2 even as little as a dollar goes a long way and it means a lot to have your support thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one peace <laughs>